and welcome to the Talking Indonesia podcast. My name is Ken Stiawan from Melbourne University's Asia's Institute. The topic of today's podcast is contemporary Indonesian literature. Indonesia is the world's fourth most populous country, among the most culturally diverse and has a long literary tradition. It is therefore somewhat surprising that compared to other countries, its literature is not widely known. In recent years, however, Indonesian literature, and particularly the work of young Indonesian writers, has increasingly attracted international attention. Last year, for instance, Indonesia was guest of honour at the Frankfurt Book Fair, the world's largest trade fair for books. Here with us to talk about these developments is Dr. Lili Yulianti Farid. Lili is a journalist and writer who, amongst others, has worked for the Indonesian Daily Kompas and is author of the short story collection Family Room. She's director and founder of the Makassar International Writers' Festival in South Sulawesi and is also a recent University of Melbourne graduate, having completed her PhD in Gender and Media. Lily, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you. Lily, to start with, what are the reasons why, until quite recently, Indonesian literature has been largely overlooked internationally? Well, um, for me, there's only one reason. Translation, and um, translation here not only literally translated the works, but translation plus promotions. Learning from other countries, uh, non-English-speaking countries like uh, Japan, for example. Every time um, I ask my uh, Japanese uh, fellows, um, saying that what do you do to promote Japanese literature to other countries. To the world. One answer is translation, but when they explain about the translation, it's a whole package of um, initiative. So, in a translation project, we must also talk about a really good um, selection of works from our country, like what works, who actually uh, we try to approach. The, the writers that we want to include in our translation projects, and we need to in, uh, to to look like five or ten years program to promote these translations. So, translation is the key. It looks like the Indonesian government is increasingly paying attention to the translation of Indonesian literature. In 2014, the Indonesian Ministry for Education and Culture committed one million US dollars for the translation of Indonesian works. What are your thoughts? Recently, we've seen that um, there's an effort from not only from the uh, independent translators in Indonesia, but also from the government, uh, taking the moment of the uh, guest of honor at the Frankfurt Book Fair in 2015. So, uh, the government tried to uh, seize this uh, opportunity to promote the um, Indonesian literature. It's an overdue, actually, but it's better late than nothing happened, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, we, we've seen in the last three years, so like two or three years before the 2015 Frankfurt Book Fair, um, we've seen the government uh, representatives approaching people who working in the uh, this business like uh, translators publishers uh, sitting together with uh, writers and asking advice and uh, suggestions from people who've been working in this 
field for many years saying what can we do to so you know to promote and to include literature as a part of a cultural uh, promotions overseas because it's never been done before like if we're talking about uh, promoting Indonesian culture uh, overseas the Indonesian government always think about bringing all these uh, traditional dancers uh, other uh, forms of arts, paintings, uh, music, um, dance, and literature always not in the list, never been in the list for many years. Before, it's all up to the author to try to find uh, their own way to be translated. Uh, taking an example, now people are talking about um, Eka Kurniawan's novel. Every time Eka was asked, how did you get this opportunity to be translated? Someone had to find my work. Someone had to read my work in Indonesia. Eight years ago, in a one interview, Eka said that, well, I never, you know, had in my mind that someone will read this and I said, I want to translate this. Or uh, I have my personal intention, like, I want this to be translated after I release my novel. So someone has to find find us as a writer, you know, like someone who can play a role to bridge this um, opportunity to m make the writer to meet the translator. Because we don't have this kind of, uh, you know, like a body or organization that we can come as a writer in a race and say like, well, um, do you think that someone or there is an institution or institutions are interested to translate my, my work. I've, uh, I have a conversation with um, many authors and say, if you're lucky enough, you'll meet a good translator. But we don't work best on this if you're lucky enough. Has Indonesia's prominent role at the Frankfurt Book Fair changed anything for the Indonesian government in its promotion of Indonesian literature? The results on the uh, Frankfurt uh, Book Fair Last year, that actually we now seen that during the fair, um, we've seen uh, we've seen new audience in Europe want to learn, want to read, want to know more about Indonesia through literature. So now they've seen that oh, actually we uh, we need to do more. So I think Frankfurt Book Fair was like milestone for us uh, who were working at. Uh, literature to really proud that we are on stage and presenting, introducing and talking about uh, Indonesian literature. So the Indonesian government has only quite recently taken an interest in literature as a larger part of cultural promotion. In what ways has civil society tried to fill this gap? We've seen a lot of uh, community-driven initiatives. In Ubud and Ubud Writers and Readers Festival, for example, every year they um, they invited emerging writers uh, from Indonesia, from different parts of Indonesia. They selected they select the words and translate the selected words, publishing it as a compilations, and introducing it to um, uh, to the festival audience every year. That's another initiative. Uh, in my festival, Makasa International Research Festival, the best uh, selected words also translated into English. And then we uh, 
put all these works together, the English translated works from the enriching writers, and we send this translating uh, uh, the translate uh, the English translated to into uh, foreign writers and our audience, our network. Just to say that if you want to if you happen to want to know more about enriching writers from this region, Eastern Indonesia, we have this uh, translation project. Of course, the outreach is very limited because we don't publish the book um, like uh, what the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival uh, has been doing so far. But at least that we try to translate these these works and then circulate the the English translated works every year. The selected and now this is a good opportunity for the emerging writers to be to be read or to be known by English speaking uh, audience. So the promotion of Indonesian literature was your main reason to establish the yes, international yeah. Yeah. And uh, my festival is very different compared to others because we keep the the number of authors uh, quite you know, small. Only 25 authors, so they can get along together during, uh, you know, during the festival, you know, for for these interactions. So sharing the um, translated words. We also trans uh, we do some translations in uh, in Indonesian. So from English into Indonesian, and we distribute the. Um, the stories, or the, if, it's, if it's a novel, one excerpt from the novel, and we actually uh, distribute to our audience. And we have a school program, so we uh, we want to introduce the, um, other world, other countries through literature. And I think translations can uh, become the main the main thing. Nali, I'd also like to ask you about um, the contents of modern Indonesian literature. Um, could you perhaps talk a little about some of the themes or styles that Indonesian writers um, have used mm. or have raised in their work? The, one of the um, simple methods that I always used to look at this trend is to look the winner of Kusala Sastra Katolistiwa. It's a, the, I think it's one of the most prestigious uh, literary awards. So if you look at the winners, yeah, from like say in the in the last fifteen years, we can see actually the the trend. Of course, after the end of uh, new order regime, we've seen uh, interesting development in Indonesian literature in terms of uh, theme or topics. It seems that everyone wants to talk about everything that been banned, <laughs> was banned in, uh, you know, in the New Order era. So there's a lot of uh, literature uh, about 65. There's also a very interesting development in uh, what we call uh, Sastra Islam, or novels uh, or short stories collections try to be uh, promote uh, Islamic values. The other development is we've seen um, Explorations about, you know, uh, sexuality. Yeah, female writers um, openly discuss or offers you stories about uh, sexuality, women's positions um, in a society. Uh, 
if there's a romance in that, it must be from the female uh, perspective. So they, they really voice this all uh, women's uh, perspective. Yeah, there is a, there is a period when the Indonesian media labeled this as a sastrawangi or fragrant literature. So we have the Ayu Utami there, Laksmi, Pamuncak, Dewi, Dilestari is also included as a, you know, the new wave of Sastrawani. But for others that, you know, living outside the center, in Yogyakarta, for example, or in Makassar, in Bali, they have their own uh, development. They serve the uh, locals with their own words. So the circulations is not nationwide, but very local. They over local issues. Yeah, so issues about Papua, human rights in Papua, being written by Papuan uh, novelists, a female novelist from Papua. Um, I saw the novel recently. And um, there's also uh, female uh, writers from Yogyakarta writing about issues in Papua, and the novel won the, um, the stories competition run by Jakarta Art Council. So very things happen now. What we found in uh, headlines in uh, mainstream media usually get reflected what uh, we can find in, uh, in uh, contemporary literary works in Indonesia. So Indonesian authors raise many social and political issues in their work. What do you believe is the significance of that? It's, it's very significant in many ways. In a decision to take a, in a, in a decision to take a, what you call a stance, a political stance, in seeing a, a, what you call um, a, an event. So usually they use an ordinary people perspective. Not always as a victim, even just a witness. So it reminds us with uh, the significance of uh, Seno Gumira Ajidama's work. Seno is really uh, famous for uh, his work, Ketika Jurnalisme Dibungkam Sastra Bicara. So it means under the tight censorship, look at literature. Literary works will explain that what the media could uh, not. So what's happening in the in a situation like like uh, today, it's very significant in terms of now we are very free to talk about every single issues in Indonesia right now. But if you're looking at literature, they offer you a perspective and a context. Of course, it's gonna be very subjective because it's you know they have a certain political or a social stance in telling you the story. But they're giving you a context. This is what happened with Oki Madasari's novel. It's always about human rights. Uh, what does it mean to be um, a member of family from Ahmadiyya living in Indonesia? We've read these headlines on the uh, mainstream media, of course. We heard that people talk a lot about this the rights of the minority. But in 
Okima the Sarish Noble, for example, she offers you a daily life of a member, a family who living a, a member of a family, a female uh, character named Mariam in, a, in one of her, her novels called Mariam, about living as an Ahmadiyya uh, family in Lombok. That's why for me, if you want to have a, a context of following a full stories about a particular issue, Indonesian literature offers you that. That's why I always say that. Why is literature important? Because you need a context in understanding a lot of things that are happening in the country. You might know that, like a big puzzle or just a hint from the media. But when you try to sit down or spend your time to read the literature about that issue, you might have your stories from ordinary people perspective and it gives you a very different discourse, different uh, insights. Could you maybe also say something about the specific role of women writers as a female writer yourself? Female or women's voice is very you know, like unique. That's why they offer you something also, uh, very, uh, uh, very unique. So for me, maybe it's very subjective. But I say that yes, they they, they give you a different uh, different kind of uh, insights about women's uh, world view. Not only as a lover, if it's a romance, but you know, it's all there as a wife, as a mother. Uh, mother and daughter relationships, uh, even about the kitchen. Male authors, they mention about the kitchen or what's happening in the kitchen? I don't think so, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe they're talking about the bed, yeah, <laughs> or the bedrooms. <laughs> but once it comes to the kitchen, and then actually kitchen is a very uh, politics, <laughs> and there's a lot of things happening in the kitchen, or the dinner, or the dining table. They're very detailed, even recipe. The recipe in Layla, <laughs> <laughs> in Leila's uh, novels, Pulang, you know, it's very politics. Even the spices, uh, turmeric, <laughs> ginger, and all these dried spices. Uh, if you if you read, uh, there is a, a very detailed description about how actually a man who longing for his country, but had a problem to express his feeling to his own country. Keeping these spices, you know, the turmeric, make it fresh. It's very detailed, and I think we women have this ability and skills to tell these stories about that. What's happening in the kitchen? What's happening uh, with raising your children? There's a lot of you know fine lines that they dig. They dig very. It's very interesting. Um, I remember a story about uh, a, a young woman in uh, Devi Lestari's novel, uh, the Supernova series, about what does it mean to be a not so pretty and not so clever woman living in Indonesia. The story actually just very simple, but once we read it, and I discussed the story with other writer, other uh, audit, uh, other readers, and said, "Yes, actually, this is a, this is a, this is actually uh, expressed in a very 
fine detailed uh, how do we feel as an Indonesian woman. You just mentioned um, young women reading um, these novels, or young readers. Could you say something about the readership of these novels in Indonesia itself? Who reads them? How many people read them? <laughs> I don't know about the numbers, but we, uh, according to UNESCO, still, you know, very low in uh, readership, still like 1.01. I don't know how UNESCO actually makes up that, but it's true in terms of uh, how many books uh, published or produced every year compared to other Asian countries, for example. So it's like one one fifth compared to Japan. I follow the um, the quality of the discussions and the way they approach or promote this kind of lifestyle. You know, like. Indonesian middle class always, you know, easily attracted to a new lifestyle, you know, a new trend in their, you know, daily life. Like, hey, I've got this uh, Harper Lee's new novel. I don't know if they read it, but they buy the books, you know. <laughs> or there is a big book lounge. They attend the books. They, they attend the book lounge. They buy the books. They are uh, lining up to, to sign the books. Uh, the book signing is always a good selfie thing nowadays in Indonesia. Festival uh, and uh, reading clubs plays a very important role in this case because re reading clubs and uh, independent uh, communities, I, I found this in Jakarta, Bali, Yogyakarta, and Bandung, the very, you know, uh, robust nowadays. It's everywhere. Everyone wants to talk about what they're reading after they're taking picture of the book that they just bought. Uh, <laughs> it's a good it's a good sign, you know, like I know that if we're going everywhere we still seeing the seeing young people just look on the the handphone, you know, and gadget, iPad, tablet, uh, and whatever. But nowadays for me it's much easier for me in the last three day, uh, three years to meet people who read books compared to 10 years. All, all generation in Indonesia, they don't read books. But now, our optimistic uh, view is we are creating new generations who will read more. So that's why if people from overseas come and attend the festival, literary festival in Indonesia, they will surprise. Uh, oh, I feel like in the middle of uh, music festival <laughs> because it's they meet young people the young young people who wants you know at least they they know want to want to attend the literary festivals we have we attract young uh, audience because we have these uh, young people who also write and they want to they actually sitting down and listen to the reading session really good sign for me yeah quite optimistic <laughs> Lily, there's so much more that we can discuss, but um, we do seem to be running out of time. So thank you very much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you, my pleasure. That was Dr. Lily Yulianti Farid, author of Family Room and director of the Makassar International Writers' Festival on Contemporary Indonesian Literature. Look out for the next Talking Indonesia podcast with my colleague Dr. Dave McRae on the 11th of February. And a reminder, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast series at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast.